WebmasterRadio.fm. Make an impact on your interactive marketing through performance, advertising, community outreach, and technology. Be captivated by the people who are leading the wave of change in the online marketplace. This is who AdTech is. AdTech your weekly radio show. Get behind the scenes with industry giants. Be privy to the insider track. Witness the newest technologies. Make sure you're in the scene each week with AdTech Connect. You're connected now with your host. Hi there. This is Susan Bratton, the AdTech Chair. But I say that with hesitation because this is my last week as AdTech Chair. We are announcing next week my replacement, the new chair who will be responsible for all of the programming for all of the shows. I've done 20 shows in the last six years and been on the board for 10. I'm going to stay with AdTech as the Chairman Emeritus, and I hope you'll listen next week for uh, the announcement about who our new chair is. So I'm pleased to do this show. I'm actually doing it from Holland. Uh, No, I didn't move to Holland. Um, I'm here for six weeks. I did a home exchange with some friends. They're living in my house, and I'm living in theirs with my family. And uh, Webmaster Radio, of course, being the global business that it is, um, lets me do the show from here in Rotterdam. And because of that, we thought it fitting to have a Euro show. So today we'll have Andy Hobsbawm, who is the European Chairman and Co-Founder of Agency.com, and Simon Chamberlain, the EVP of Corporate Development for Hitwise. We'll have them both on, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the UK versus Europe versus the United States, what's going on in digital marketing in each of those markets, where the lead is, where the followers are. Um, We'll learn about some market numbers from Simon. And hopefully, Andy will tell us about some of the most fascinating innovation in marketing in the U.K. He's got some great clients, and we're going to learn about that. And we'll also hear Andy talk to us about his keynote for ad tech. It's a small world with big changes, and so we'll learn about that. So I just am sitting here looking at the gorgeous sun in uh, Rotterdam. It stays light till about 10 o'clock here. And befitting of my location, I just rode my bike to the cheese store and bought about 50,000 calories of Hauda cheese. And uh, I'm in this little row house next to this beautiful park uh, having this uh, opportunity to talk to you today. So excited to be here, and I'm going to get Andy on the line, and we'll find out what he's up to. Hi, Andy. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm very well. Um, didn't realize it was such a historic show. With a, yeah. With a large, uh, appearance. So right. I had to do a little setup, right? <laughs> I had to do a little setup. I can't tell who it is yet because the announcement hasn't gone out. But at least I can pique people's interest. Absolutely. Well, consider mine peaked. Thank you. Well, um, I know we had a little um, problem with the time zone. So thank you for whatever you did to get your schedule so you could be live on the show today. Because it's just... Not as fun if it's pre-recorded. So we're glad you're here. Yeah, and, uh, me too. Well, thanks for inviting me. Sure. So I have a couple of questions for you. Now, you're currently the European chairman and co-founder of Agency.com. And um, just for the listeners who might not have had the luxury of meeting you when you've come to the States or uh, listening to you speak at last year's Ad Tech London, um, you're really a pioneer of the U.K. Internet industry. I, I know you got a special Lifetime Achievement Award last year, and you've been recognized as one of the most 100 influential individuals who have contributed to the development and growth of e-commerce and the Internet in the U.K., 
um, you write a column, you're, you, you're busy with writing. You write for the Financial Times. You're a member of Gartner's G2 Advisory Board. And um, the thing that I first knew about you was your report on the global impact of communication technologies called 10 Years On, the State of the Internet and a Decade After Mosaic. And I think you can still get to that at agency.com slash 10 years on. Right. And you founded agency.com UK 12 years ago. Was it called agency.com then or was it a different company and you were acquired? How did all that work? It, it was a different company and... Um in fact, it was originally called Internet Publishing and then became uh, Online Magic, which is probably best known for, which was a, a joint venture with um, DDB Needham in the UK. And I was in New York, and uh, we, we very ambitiously decided to expand internationally when there were four of us. So uh, I had President North America printed on my business card when it was just me, so I could uh, impress my mum. Oh, well, and, we uh, all started out that way. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we ended up being, I think we were the first international uh, web production uh, agency, and uh, we we ended up becoming um, part of uh, Agency.com's network in about '97. So, uh, in in a sense, I suppose I probably co-founded the uh, the European arm of Agency.com would be uh, fairer to say. But I think in its time, online magic was you know even though I'm, I've obviously slightly subjective view on this, I think I think we were one of the companies that was. Uh, defining what was possible online and we did a lot of uh, early work for people like the economist and channel four and manchester united and some sites that were recognized at the time as being um, pretty ahead of the game and when you started online magic or you called it internet publishing was that the first name that was the first name yeah internet publishing when you started that what did you do before that that you decided to get into the agency business or wasn't it even an agency when you started it wasn't actually an agency i mean i, I have absolutely no uh, professional qualifications whatsoever to, to sort of be in this business particularly. Uh, mm -hmm. it, was, it was pure serendipity. I, uh, I sort of traveled around the world as, as one does in younger days and uh, ended up being in a spectacularly unsuccessful band for uh, a few years. And uh, when, when the, the sort of small record deal ran out, I had to get a proper job and, and ended up in a, a publishing company that published uh, computer magazines and titles. And they ended up doing a joint venture with a couple of guys who, uh, which became Internet Publishing. And it, it was definitely one of those, uh, it sounds it's very cliched, but one of those uh, epiphany, uh, epiphanous moments where when I saw the first website go live, this was just at the end of 94, so um, not too, too long after Mosaic had been released. It, it just was, was an amazing moment. I, I was completely, uh, completely seduced by this, this idea of seeing a, a world of, of connectivity sort of manifested visibly in front of you and it was tremendously exciting so I was hooked from that point on and uh, and ended up being part of this company that um, uh, as I said went to New York as well as London turned into an agency uh, because inevitably at some point we were we were publishing uh, the first I think it was the first certainly European easing at the time power PC news about uh, the power PC which was obviously big at the time and then somebody asked me when I was in New York whether we built websites, to which I, of course, said yes, and then scrambled around figuring how we would actually do that for a commercial customer. And so we, we sort of became a, a web agency by default, really. And, well, it makes sense. If a customer asks you if you can do something, to tell them yes and figure it out. Well, um, when you started, you were building websites. 
your business now at agency.com UK, what percentage of it is site side versus, say, more advertising related? What's your mix now? It's probably about 50 50, I would say. Um, and, there's, and it's trending more towards the, 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 the campaign marketing related side of things, or advertising, if you like, although perhaps more holistically than advertising, sort of marketing in its, in its most general sense, from emails to plasma screens in store and, and various things like that. And I think the, the, also the character of the web development is changing generally. I think what we're seeing across the industry is this idea that it is one customer journey that you're trying to uh, help choreograph. And so a website is really part of that journey and shouldn't be thought of as distinct from campaign activity. So in some senses, websites, website developments are becoming more sort of organic extensions to ongoing marketing activity rather than this um, capital-intensive design and build as, as a project, which then uh, sort of disappears out of sight. And would you say, um, I remember certainly for the first 10 years that most marketers spent the bulk of their budget on their website, but now you see that there's a, a website budget and that, of course, there are microsites and landing pages and custom areas and all kinds of things, but that there are more and more marketing programs and budget being driven against the outreach, not just the site side. Definitely. I mean, I think generally what's happened is in the early days, people really didn't know what it was they were buying as, as, as clients, and, and I think a lot of agencies didn't know what they were selling. All, all both sides understood is there was something going on to do with the Internet and customers, and, and a website was a, a, a representation or a, a manifestation of your business you needed to have. And, and the budgets, I think, were coming out of uh, probably the... It was, it was more seen as a capital expenditure, and it was involved with sort of IT and engineering and operations. And marketing wasn't really part of that, uh, that mix, or if it was, it was a, a very uh, one part of, 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 a, of a much larger overall uh, body of people or, or governance team, if you like. And I think what's happened more recently is that people have, have understood the Internet still, I think, many things, uh, but one of those is a channel to market and, and a marketing channel. And as such, the marketing departments have really taken over the, the, the programs online because it so clearly is part of their remit. It is about connections with customers and getting them to change behaviors and, and you know, develop greater affinities with your brand and tell other people about them and so on. So I think the emphasis has rightly shifted to a marketing one because it is actually the, the front leading edge of a business and how it connects with its customers. And it's perhaps less about... The, the, the sort of back-end engineering parts, even though they're, they're still important. I think those perhaps are existing more in the, uh, the IT departments and uh, places that perhaps don't touch the customer so, so directly. And how big is agency.com UK? How many people do you have there? It's about 130, I think. Um, wow. It's, it's a big group. There's a, there's a lot of outstanding hires that uh, I'm sure every agency has at the moment, so that number uh, may may change, you know, plus or minus a few, but uh, there's also usually um, some people on, on longer-term contracts, as, uh, you know, included on, onto that as well. So maybe 100, 140 people in the building, of which uh, 130 are sort of full-time staff. And what is the one job that you're just having a heck of a time filling? You know, you've got a live show here. Maybe someone will hear it and give you a call. Well, that, that would be marvelous. They're, uh, 
they're most welcome to. I think it's across the board, really. What's happened in the industry is because of the, 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 the crash that, that, that happened around 2000, as we all know, people, I, I think, bailed out of the industry and sort of went back to perhaps more uh, traditional careers. And so there was a bit of a skills gap where people weren't, on the whole, uh, sort of plying their trade in interactive marketing all through that crash. But, of course, conversely, consumers were, were carrying on using the Internet uh, as never before. So what we have now, once the, uh, the, the online market sort of exploded again, I suppose, you know, post-Google IPO onwards, there's actually a gap in skills of people who have a really deep amount of experience. There's, a few peop- there's quite a lot of people around who've been in the Internet in the last few years, but not so many around who, who have a wealth of experience. And as you know, you know, with any kind of client service business, you... You also need some very experienced older heads in there. So that's, that's, I think, the skill gap would be across all departments, but the, the more experienced people would be, I think, uh, in shorter supply. So if anyone's listening uh, who has a lot of experience, then uh, give us a call. Perfect. So you, you're looking for people in media, you're looking for account people, you're looking for people on the web development side, maybe database experts, anything else? Yeah, it's really in, the, in all the departments. So it would be, uh, you know, technology, uh, media, creative, strategy, and uh, account services. Mm-hmm. Um, and very much with a marketing bent. So I think, uh, you know, database developers are probably really would only fit the way we work now if they actually understand what the database is for. They actually understand the, the use of that to connect with customers and create uh, you know, programs of activity that, that generate certain actions uh, rather than just, uh, you know, a classic database developer who's in a back room and doesn't necessarily care that much about uh, what the end result of the project is. So uh, all of you empathic marketing technology folks, give Andy a call. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> not, not me personally. Feel free to go through to HR. But no, you, uh, yeah, anyone that really wants to get in touch, we'd, we'd love to hear from them. And, you know, I think there's lots of great companies out there. And um, if, you, if you're an individual, it's really just about finding one where the chemistry's right, where you feel at home and that you can fulfill your potential. So um, we'd love for you to talk to us as, as well as anyone else. Just to you. Come on. You can just ask for it. Anything you want. So, well, you know. A question for you. Let's talk about some of your clients in the UK. Who are they? Um, well, we have a nice range of, uh, of clients over here. Um, I suppose some of the, uh, the larger ones are people like British Telecom, British Airways, uh, Ladbrokes. Um, we do a lot of work with uh, Dulux, which is part of ICI, which is sort of the leading um, paint manufacturer, but as in sort of lifestyle, you know, the, the, uh, the consumer uh, paint colors that people choose to sort of redecorate their homes with. Um, we work with retailers like John Lewis. Um, we were doing some P&G work uh, for some of their brands. And just the other day, we were uh, <clears throat> fortunate enough to win uh, a long-term engagement with IKEA, the, the retailer. So really, a- across the board, I think um, you know, probably the only common denominator would be we, we like to think you know, they're clients who-, who really want to use the medium for what it's best at, to make sort of true use of the interactivity rather than just see it as a you know, a, a, an addendum to their marketing activity. And I think there's things the Internet can do to, to transform businesses and, and their customer relationships. And I think all of our clients hopefully share that ambition. Um, but it's also very nice because there's a diverse range of industries. And I, I think we've always believed that while you need special sort of domain expertise, if you like, or, or industry-specific knowledge, you can also 
some of some of the real magic comes from cross fertilizing ideas so you know what works in the financial services industry might actually be a clue to how you can engage customers better in travel because they're both virtual goods and so there may be ways of packaging and delivering propositions using interactivity that translate actually very well from one industry to another so it's nice to have a, a broad mix of clients that you can you can pull ideas and learnings from so in IKEA, you just won the business for doing their eCRM and some in-store digital work. What right. kind of eCRM program is IKEA going to do? Well, uh, of course, that one's perhaps a little early to talk about, and uh, it'd probably be better to talk about some of the other clients just simply because um, uh, I'm not entirely sure what's, uh, what's sensitive and what's not. But I think, I think what okay. one can say is simply that, like any business, they're interested in using... Um, the assets they have, the, the, their, their own media, if you like. You know, uh, IKEA, like a lot of people, have a vast amount of, of, of points of connection, of touch points, if you like, or places where customers encounter their brand that's completely within their control. It isn't something they have to actually purchase from third parties. It's media that, that, that is, is theirs. And in their case, that includes things like uh, plasma screens in their stores. So the idea of trying to build a program that that actually you know, creates a relationship with customers over time and actually makes use of the media at their disposal as well as uh, external media that they can purchase is, uh, is you know, a, a sensible and smart thing to do. So we'll be, we'll be helping them try to figure that out. So I'll throw you a couple of softballs. Um, what do air horns and chili dogs have to do with British Airways? Well, I believe that um, that's part of the Wimbledon uh, etiquette um, campaign that we did where uh, we're trying to encourage people perhaps not to not to indulge in in the practices they might uh, they might uh, take part in at a, uh, you know a, a raucous american football game for example when they're sitting next to somebody with a with a big hat and eating strawberries and cream on a hot wimbledon day so the idea is you know there are certain do's and don'ts in wimbledon and uh, uh, the, the promotion for british airways gave people a uh, a lexicon of, of, of etiquette that they could refer to to make sure that they, they behaved with impeccable decorum when they were uh, over on our shores. And um, what are the most popular paint colors in the ICI paint product campaign? Is, what's the hot color in, in London these days? A very interesting question, and uh, one that I have absolutely no idea of the answer, um, <laughs> which, of course, has nothing whatsoever to do with uh, my personal passion, for the brand and the client, but um, I think I'm a little, little too distant from uh, the actual day-to-day -day, uh, of that particular activity to be able to answer, but it's probably something like, um, you know, Rock Candy, or one of these names that uh, you're not actually quite sure what color it associates with, but sounds good. Exactly. Well, you are, we always have a lot of agency.com people from all over your offices. You're in Amsterdam, Brussels, Chicago, Dallas, London, New York, and San Francisco, and we're constantly sifting through your talent pool to find interesting people to speak at AdTech. As a matter of fact, in two weeks at AdTech Chicago, Chris Bowler, the VP of Media and Search, is um, helping me out by managing a panel on domain names called Domain okay. Power, the value, tools, and trade of domain names, because more and more marketers are understanding the power of owning a lot of domains in, in their business. And yeah. then also, David Baker, whom I think you know, he's the VP of Email Marketing and Analytical Absolutely. Solutions. 
He's doing a, an interesting new session. We're not just talking about web analytics in a bucket anymore, and we're not just talking about email marketing metrics anymore. We're merging those to understand how the metrics you get from your email marketing can work in conjunction with things like your web analytics to um, keep shopping cart abandoned slower, increase revenue, do a lot more remarketing. So we've got yeah. two good people coming up in Chicago, and then you are our headliner for AdTech London in September. Your keynote is called Small World, Big Changes for Consumers in an Interactive Age. Can you give our listeners a little tickler about your keynote and why you came to this conclusion? Uh, sure. I'd, I'd uh, be happy to. I just one thought, actually, when you said about um, owning domain names, it just struck me that uh, I think recently somebody pointed out there's a couple of campaigns in the States, so you guys would probably know more about this than I would from over here, where they started to advertise uh, rather than the domain, the actual search term itself, which I thought was quite an interesting movement. Oh, yeah. So that I- in some ways I wonder whether domain names are actually becoming um, less uh, valuable because it's your findability, it's, it's the, 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 the words that people use to find you on Google which are actually more uh, valuable than, than what you happen to be called. But anyway, I'll leave you no, that's good. to sort that out on your panel. Um, the, the ad tech talk is really, I mean, in, in some ways it's quite, um, it, it's about things that I'm very interested in and sort of passionate about and, and thinking a lot about, and so hopefully uh, other people will find them interesting too. But it, it's trying to make sense of what's going on on the Internet at the moment, and I suppose Web 2.0 or Web 2 is, uh, is, it seems to be the term everyone's coming up with, even though there are, there are so many different uh, you know, definitions of what that is that it's, that it's almost meaningless. Um, but I think there is, I think we're all aware there's something going on, and it's, you know, whatever you want to call it, whether it's Web 2.0, whether it's a, uh, a second kind of social phase of the Internet. And a lot of the, the talk about it and the, the, the chatter and the analysis, I think, to me, focuses on perhaps more surface-level activity, you know, what, what campaigns are launching, what new technologies are coming out, what, what people are doing day-to-day. But I think it, it's very interesting if you can step back and perhaps see things with longer-term consequences. So what are, what are the actual long-term trends of human behavior that we can start seeing online? What, what does that tell us about consumer psychology in the long term? And therefore, you know, what implications does that have for the wider sort of economy and society and that we have to, as marketers, you know, uh, connect with our, with our customers within what, you know, our campaigns have to exist within a, a certain type of, uh, of society and within a certain kind of economy. And what is that going to look like? Um, and just, I mean, obviously I won't sort of go into the actual uh, talk here, but just some examples of that might be this, this sort of informal economy of, of sharing and, and favors and sort of social networks and personal passions and the, the, the sort of everyday non-market interactions that have always gone on but seem to be made very visible now. So when you look at things like whether it's Wikipedia or file sharing sites or open source software or what have you, it really starts to reveal this very interesting side of people that we've always known but perhaps haven't really seen the, the power of, which is that you know a lot of what makes the world go round isn't money in, in the traditional sense. It's not that there are so many other motivations that people really care about. And, you know, making themselves happy is, is you know, probably the most important thing in, in many people's lives. And so I think a lot of the rules about the way that 
products are brought to market might might change as a result of that, trying to, to tap into this this consumer psychology, this way of people wanting to, to express themselves and to share things socially and to create uh, and to have brands help them do that and, and be, be useful and meaningful in their lives, but really understanding that these are the things that get them out of bed in the morning. And perhaps it's not purely in terms of getting a better job with more pay so that you can buy more products. And I think it's sort of understanding that change that, that is actually going to be very, very significant because, as I say, it's always, it's always really been there, but it hasn't been made visible before. And there are some people around far smarter than I on this subject, um, people like Yokai Benkler, a Yale law professor who's written extensively about this, but you know, really believes that this is going to start to become an important part of the economy sort of non-market part of the economy. So I think these are sort of things that um, I'll be trying to sort of bring back to uh, tangible conclusions. Like, what does this mean if you're doing certain kinds of marketing campaigns? What things are going on right now that show signs of this? And what should you keep an eye on? Um, and I think it's, it's tremendously exciting stuff. It's, it's potentially very transformational. And what's always excited me about the internet is that we don't know where it's going to take us. And to me, it isn't just another marketing channel. It, it, it is that, but it's many other things as well, and we haven't actually worked out exactly what those things are. So I guess, in a nutshell, I'll be trying to explore that, keep it also very, very grounded, and give people something to think about, um, and hopefully that's what I'll do. I, I love that you're always talking about customer insights. I, I think that's one of the things that I never hear people in the agency business or marketers talking enough about, understanding the psychology behind the consumer. And one of the things that it strikes me about Web, web 2.0 is that it's very much about customization and personal imprint um, and creating your own persona on the web and sharing your views, your likes, your dislikes, your photos, you, you know, what, your songs, your playlists, whatever it might be, your, you know, your digital thumbprint. Mm. And um, I don't see marketers imbuing their products with those capabilities. I mean, they lend themselves so well to things like makeup or household cleaning products or hair care or clothing. I mean, some of it you do see with like t-shirt lines on the web where you can, what's that website where you can buy the um, images from individuals and have them put on a t-shirt and then the t-shirt is sent to you? Do you remember that one? Yes, I, I think there's a few. Is it I forget what it's called. Yeah. But, you know, it's starting. Yeah starting to happen, but one of the biggest things that hits me about social media is that it's a mass customization, and I still don't see mass customization entering the product life cycle of, of, many, you know, of many brands, and so I wonder if that's one of the things you'll talk about. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, it's, it's obviously a huge subject, and as I say, you know, very, very uh, bright people have written extremely uh, large books on the subject, so I'll, I'll probably try and touch on things I can, I can at least cover in, in, in enough depth so people leave understanding them. But I think, I think that's right, and there's probably just a... a it, it, it's very difficult without going into territory that's, that's almost clichéd, but you, I think you do still need to say it, which is that you know, marketers and brands and, and companies do seem to really struggle with this idea that they really aren't in 
control as much as they used to be. And everyone talks about it, but no one actually, I think, really believes it at heart. So they pay lip service to it. But I think there's an interesting distinction that people think when you're not in complete control, that's the same as being out of control. But, mm. but it isn't. It, it just means that you're not in complete control. You have to cede control. You have to share it. Yeah. And I think that comes very hard to a lot of people because it's against the, the ingrained wisdom that they've accumulated over the years. Mm. And maybe one will only see real changes in this um, when, you know, people in existing boardrooms start to cycle out. You know, when, uh, there's, I think to some extent in, in all companies there's a bit of not on my watch, you know, where people just don't want to see radical change happen, uh, you know, while they're still there because it might go wrong. So I think there's a lot of companies doing very, very interesting and advanced things, but perhaps that's why people aren't taking advantage of some of the uh, seemingly obvious uh, trends and, and things that customers are asking for to, as much as you might expect them to. Well, Andy, uh, you're not going to believe this, but our time is up. <laughs> that went so fast. I, I can't let you go without saying something and asking something. The saying something that I wanted to make sure that um, everyone who's tuned in today knows is that the reason that you're the keynote has nothing to do with the fact that you're the European blotty blah and co blotty blah of agency dot blotty blah. It's because Andy was the best speaker of the 125 speakers at AdTech London last year. When you got up on that stage, you lit that bad boy on fire. And uh, so I think I walked up to you right after that and said, you were fantastic. Will you come back next year and will you do a keynote? And so I just want to thank you for preparing um, some unique perspectives for the London show for us because uh, anyone who comes and listens to you is in for a treat. Uh, my last question is, what was the name of your band? Uh, <laughs> well... Thanks for ending with a question so I don't have to respond to that uh, glowing tribute, but thanks very much. And <laughs> obviously being British and self-deprecating, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't really engage with those, uh, those, <laughs> those nice uh, comments anyway, even if I wanted to. The, the name of the band was Tin Gods. Ten and, Gods? Uh, tin, uh, tin Gods. T-I-N, T -I -N, yeah. And uh, I don't think there's much evidence of them. I did, I did post a, a little clip of um, a couple of, excerpts of some couple of videos we did from the 80s on, on YouTube. So I think if you search Tin Gods on YouTube, you might find uh, an example of some very dodgy hairstyles. Uh, oh, my God. We're, we're definitely going to do that. An enormous amount of hairspray involved in uh, keeping them in place. I can't wait because I love hairspray. So uh, I'm going to go check out YouTube for Tin Gods. And, uh, okay. Andy, I'll look forward to seeing you at AdTech London. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks again, Susan. Look forward to seeing you there. You bet. And uh, we're going to go for a commercial break to thank our wonderful sponsors. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll be back with Simon Chamberlain, EVP of Corporate Development, Hitwise. Stay tuned. Sit tight and don't move. AdTech Connect. We'll be right back. WebmasterRadio.fm proudly presents... AdTech, the world's largest interactive marketing event, blows into Chicago July 24th to the 25th, delivering to you the perfect composition of powerhouse keynote speakers, industry-intensive panels, and interactive workshops. Secure your presence at AdTech Chicago so you, too, can be equipped with the instruments and know-how needed to be in concert with the rest of the interactive marketing industry. Visit www.ad-tech.com to register today. 
Google AdSense. How do I earn from thee? Let me count the ways. Google, you enable me to show targeted ads complementing my site so my visitors keep clicking throughout the day and night. It was so easy to apply and select the ad formats I liked. Since I've discovered AdSense, I've been filled with delight. So earn more with matching ads and you too can discover how. Just visit google.com slash AdSense now. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types Hooker Escort Hookup into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes. One click. Great results. Admit it. You've been working way too hard this year. Targeting traffic. Optimizing your search engines. Evaluating domains. And let's not forget long hours in traffic just to spend quality time with your family. Now imagine yourself in a lush tropical paradise, surrounded by the sights and sounds of tropical island music and fun, along with all of your friends in the B2B marketplace. Well, pack your bags and come down to Search Bash, Jamaica! WebmasterRadio.fm invites you to a weekend of island bliss. Webmaster Radio presents Search Bash Jamaica. September 15th through the 18th in the Grill, Jamaica. Log on now to SearchBash.com and sign up today. You know how big our Search Bash parties are. Now imagine a fabulous, all-inclusive, fun-filled weekend in a tropical island paradise. Rooms are filling up fast, so sign up now. Webmaster Radio presents Search Bash Jamaica. September 15th through the 18th in the Grill, Jamaica. Don't miss out. Log on to SearchBash.com. Calm now. Now, back to Ad Tech Connect, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. This is Susan Bratton, the Ad Tech Chair, and uh, welcome back to the show. Um, you know, I cannot turn down a fun-filled tropical weekend, no matter how hard I try. So I am planning to be at Search Bash in September. And if you're a listener, I hope you'll come too. We'd love to connect. Let's see. We have Simon Chamberlain on. Hi, Simon. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. I'm full of how the cheese and bike riding and having a great time staying up, having dinner at 9 o'clock at night in the sunshine. Well, that sounds very nice, I must say. No, I know. So, um, for those who don't know you, you and I met at AdTech London last year, and uh, you were also one of our best speakers. Um, we just had Andy on, and you know he was just terrific. So he's doing a keynote this year, and uh, you were working out of the London office because you were the general manager of Hitwise UK, and then you segued into this new role, this EVP of corporate development, and moved to New York. So I want to know how that's going. It's going great. Uh, New York's a wonderful town. Very exciting to be over here. Um, we've moved our corporate headquarters to New York, uh, which was one of the one of the driving reasons for my coming over. Also, uh, having run the business there for four and a half years, I was I was keen to uh, leverage some of the experiences I had had with our customers and some of the insights that I'd gained from seeing how the, how their use of our information was evolving to try and uh, identify opportunities for us to partner or acquire companies that would assist us to really take things to the next level for our customer base and really help them with uh, data-driven marketing decisions for the future. So where was Hitwise originally located? Well, as you might have 
guessed from my accent, uh, the business did in fact start in Australia, uh, out in Melbourne. And uh, I met I met the guys at Hitwise uh, in my in my previous job. Uh, My my background was that I originally was a was a lawyer, um, and uh, I like to say I grew out of that. And during the uh, during the hype of the dot com boom, I was spending vast amounts of my billable hours um, buying stocks in companies that I had no interest in what they did, and making great money along the way, and thinking that this seemed like a lot more fun than being a lawyer. And so uh, when I when I jumped from that, I, I worked for an online media buying startup um, in Melbourne that we oh, listed on the Australian called? Stock Exchange, and that was called Image. Oh, that was Image, okay. Yeah, which was a spin-out of a, of a traditional media buying company. And I worked there for a time, and that really, for me, was the, was the segue into, into online. Um, loved it and, and never wanted to leave. And, and when that came to a natural conclusion, um, the guys at Hitwise were keen to roll the business out into really our first major market outside of Australia uh, in the UK. And so they asked me to, to, to go and do that. You know, I think it would be helpful for our listeners to understand exactly what Hitwise does. Will you give us a rundown of that? Because you have a couple of different capabilities. You're a data company, but explain the products. Yeah, sure. Look, we're an internet measurement company is, is the kind of bucket that we're often put into. Um, we have a very different approach to some of the other methodologies that your listeners may be familiar with in that we extract data directly from ISPs. That data is anonymous and aggregated, um, and but it enables us to collect data on a really enormous number of um, users. So globally, we're collecting data on about 25 million internet users. In the US, it's about 10 million. In the UK, it's about 8.5 million. And really, um, that forms this this very rich data asset that enables us to to be able to get some really terrific insights. What we're we're often associated with is um, competitive benchmarking data. So we certainly bill our data as being competitive intelligence. And what many companies do is they use our information to try and understand how they fit into their competitive market. Because of the breadth of our sample, we're really able to get into niche industries and help uh, help companies that are in those industries to understand where they fit. But really, uh, that ranking part is only it's only uh, you know a simple part of the overall insights that can be that can be created from the information. And what we're what we're really excited about is our is our ability to help our clients who are marketers in the kind of Fortune 1000 companies, help them to uh, inform their their online marketing decisions by reference to their competitive landscape and by what's going on in the market. And so specifically, we help our clients with their search marketing campaigns, their affiliate marketing strategies, their online advertising strategies. And we're really trying to lift the, the knowledge that they have about what is actually happening in the market so that they can make smarter decisions. So going back to uh, the competitive intelligence service, the benchmarking and the ranking, give us a specific example of um, an industry category like airline or quick serve restaurant or whatever one you want and explain to me what is what the data is that you deliver. Sure. Um, well, in, in ranking we're providing uh, as recently as daily, but certainly we also provide weekly and monthly data uh, about the market share of visits, pages, and the average session time that's occurring within any of 500,000 domains that we have categorised into 160 vertical markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we can do there is simply see kind of top-of-the-pop style, who's number one, who's number two. Uh, what, what, we, what we say about our ranking data, I mean, certainly um, it's, 
a very interesting area for a lot of clients. It's really telling you what's happened. Um, it's really kind of giving you an understanding of, of what went on. And and, uh, and we think certainly that's a very important part of the overall equation. But what, what we really want to do is, is answer the question of, okay, what now? You know, how do I... How do I change that situation I find myself in? So um, if I were, what's a good industry category that you track really well? Well, well, we have 160 vertical markets that I think we track really well. But if we were to take, for example, the travel agencies category, travel uh, then, agencies, okay. then we're gonna, you're going to see that uh, in our U.S. product, we have about 1,000 different websites that we have categorized into that single industry. Uh, and you know, we're going to see that guys at Expedia um, have really dominated that market for some considerable time and we can look to data as, as I said as recently as yesterday because we in fact rebuild the whole database on a daily basis. We can look as, as recently as yesterday to understand what kind of market share those guys are getting and mm-hmm. what we can see is that for example for last week um, Expedia got a, almost one in five um, uh, of all the visits that occurred to that category. Mm-hmm. And the okay. way that we're doing that, as I mentioned, is actually sitting at the network level. And, I, and you know, one of the things that, that's interesting about that is that as we, you know, as we move and as, as uh, convergence starts to occur, you know, the amount of media and entertainment that is being driven by, um, you know, over over networks continues to grow. And what Hitwise has really done a great job of, and, and what's exhibited by the. The, the ability to build this data on a daily basis is that you know, we can sit on any network in the world. Uh, we can extract anonymous aggregated information from that and be able to turn that enormous amount of data into a palatable, summarised view that you know, we hope is going to help marketers to make smart decisions about what they do. Do you pay the ISPs to get that data? We have a mixture of um, relationships we have with the ISPs, but in broad terms, they're our suppliers. So yes, uh, oftentimes it's a commercial relationship. But in addition, we provide some really rich insights via tools that we provide um, back to them to provide yep. this kind of anonymous information about their own subscribers. And that really helps them to uh, make smarter content decisions, uh, identify areas of real interest for their subscriber base and bring those potentially within their own portal pages. You, you also talked about search and affiliate marketing and some of the other things that you're starting to track. How are you getting, how are you collecting the keyword intelligence and, and how would a marketer use it? So um, because we're sitting at the network, we, we are literally able to see from the URL string every keyword um, that um, all of our users are typing into every search engine they use. Okay. Um, and what we do then is we actually marry that, that event up with the, the site that we see visited immediately after. What that enables us to do then is to associate um, that keyword with a successful visit to the website. So if we, you know, that, that really opens up a bunch of insights. For example, we can see what proportion of all of Expedia's visits, for example, come from the keyword travel, you know, a very broad branded term and one that helps us to understand you know, the, the kind of strategy that those guys might have in relation to their paid search marketing. But what it can also do is start to give us an insight as to the proportion of terms that really come from branded terms. And, you know, Bill Tanser, who's our guru of all things data, um, you know, recently talked about branded terms being, accounting for around 75% of all, the, of all the successful search terms for, the, for, for different sites on the web. 
And so, you know, that, and that really has changed um, and, and has increased year on year, indicating that the, the value, the, the ever-increasing value of having a recognisable brand and ensuring that anybody that's looking for that brand is able to find your website. And so when you sell your data to your customers, what's the typical pricing? Pricing really varies, and it, it varies dependent on, uh, on a couple of different things, on the tools that you select, on range of categories that you're interested in, and in, in terms of the number of user licenses that you're after. Um, but a typical, uh, I mean, we're obviously selling in a number of different markets, um, but, you know, we're talking about in the range of uh, twenty to $35,000 on, on a kind of average basis. And is that on a month or a yearly basis? That's on an annual basis. And okay. And with that, you know, we've got no installation required. This is about providing a username and a password and giving the ability to access that information. And so, uh, and, you know, going back to, to the search data that we're providing, um, so, you know, we talked a little bit about Expedia and being able to see the search terms that are driving visitors to, to their site. And clearly, some of that, you know, to have that so simply and so easily presented to, to an Expedia-type company is good for Expedia, but... This is competitive intelligence. You know, this is data that their competitors are also able to see. And what they're doing with that then is, is and what we're uniquely placed to be able to um, give to people is the ability to compare directly the terms that are driving traffic to your website and those that are driving traffic to your competitor's website. And by identifying where those gaps are, those gaps really represent opportunities uh, for you to then go and um, fill those gaps or to optimise to those terms and to see whether, in fact, that's a way for you to take some market share away from competitive. So, so you, you know, you, yeah. Go ahead. That, all right, I'll, I'll ask the next question, too. Um, I get that competitiveness and that benchmarking and that ranking that's sort of always associated with Hitwise. Um, a couple of quick questions. Um, are Comscore and Nielsen Net Ratings your two main competitors? Well, certainly we are often placed into into a bucket with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Who else? Well, really, they're the two that that immediately come to mind when mm-hmm. when you talk about our business. I think there are some you know pretty key differences there. I mean, what what we um, typically think of is that we think those their, their businesses are very overlapping. So Comscore and Nielsen overlap quite heavily with each other. Yeah. They have very little overlap with us. I mean, we we in fact um, with many clients more so in the U.S. than in other markets. Um, we're often complementary uh, and run alongside those guys. Uh, you know, th- their focus has been traditionally on agencies and large publishers, and that's um, a, a symptom or a, or a factor of the methodology that they apply, uh, the smaller sample that they are working with, and the nature of the data that they present. What Hitwise is trying to do, and where, where Hitwise has been successful, is in driving our product into corporate marketers who are actually actively trying to get acquire new customers to their website and do that in the most efficient way possible. And What's so, the title of the person that you usually try to sell to? It will uh, often be a marketing manager or a chief marketing officer mm-hmm. uh, or the e-commerce manager. It's mm-hmm. In the U.S. market, and I guess this is, uh, again, you, you mentioned you wanted to talk about some of the nuances between the markets. I do. But certainly in the U.S., um, there's very often quite specific job titles that we can go and speak to that have a very clear mandate in this area. Um, in the UK, at least, when, when I um, started the business out there, it was uh, often a time where you were speaking to someone whose responsibilities perhaps spanned both online and offline um, and you know 
back in back in those days, um, online was was a much smaller part of what of what they were looking at. But of course, that has grown, and we've seen you know, the UK market has grown enormously, um, and certainly is uh, is catching fast. Um, and in our other markets, for example, in Australia, uh, again, I mean, a similar story is still is still there really with uh, with many businesses still relying on a single uh, marketing person to. Uh, to really manage their whole business, including what's happening online. So are there any kinds of freebie pieces of research that Hitwise publishes? Do you do, a, do you do any kind of monthly data that you publish or anything like that? I think probably the best, um, I don't want to be doing a, a plug here, but I think one of the best places for that is our blog. Um, you know, our, our analyst team uh, produce some fantastic insights via, um, via our Hitwise blog. Which uh, is at blogspot.hitwise.com, I believe. No, I'm going it's not. there now. No, blog. I didn't know about that blog, and it's. I don't think it's very well called out on your site. I didn't right. find that when I was doing my research on you. I see. Uh, that, that is interesting. Well, I will certainly feed that back to the guys. We've um, uh, with with some good links from um, from our, our you know people like John Battelle. It certainly seems to be. Um, uh, raising its profile, but just to get the URL quite right, it's it's weblogs.hitwise.com. I got it. It is on the homepage. I just missed it somehow. Yeah, no. Well, we must we must raise that profile, Susan. Good tip. <laughs> so what you what you do is you publish your analysts publish a lot of little data points on your blog. Is that it? That's how That's we get right. the, the yeah. freebie stuff. Okay, and and I see you have RSS feed, so we can sign up that way. Absolutely. Okay, so that's a good that's a good way to get some data. That's awesome. And then you have a lot of white papers too, like the thing you were talking about, best practices for search engine brand management. That would probably be a good one to get too. Absolutely. And so periodically we will be we, you know we will be publishing these via by hitwise.com uh, and you know, we, we would obviously encourage encourage people to, to look out for those. And we, we often will publicize those in, in many other places as well. Mhm. And so what what are you, what's your sense based on um, you're in a data company? You read your blog, hopefully every once in a while. You're you're you know on sales calls. You're doing deals. You're you're just kind of grokking that data flow. What are some of the trends that you see in the marketplace? Well, I think you know I was I was looking back at um, at the presentation that that uh, we that we did together um, at at tech last year, and I think many of the um, many of the sort of it was a, if you recall it was about predicting what was what was coming I think many of those predictions that we discussed at that time um, have sort of panned out over the course of the year one of the areas that we've seen um, kind of continued uh, dissatisfaction with is around web analytics um, in terms of people's own site analytics and uh, and and that kind of goes to the fact that we're finding that marketers time poor marketers are uh, needing to utilise multiple platforms to do multiple things, and, and I think it's a recurring theme that we're, we're certainly going to see some sessions about at AdTech this year in September uh, in London, and and one that certainly uh, we're very interested in. Um, and it was really the the idea that um, in, on the one hand we have a, a really unique data asset in, in the competitive intelligence that we hope help drive helps to drive a lot of the decisions that these online marketers need to make, but also in identifying that. Um, that site analytics as a as a tool and, and also bid management would be 
be really useful links from and, and integrations into um, the HitWise information. And so earlier this year, we acquired a small company called HitDynamics, um, which had a smart piece of technology that uh, really integrated those two things together. And so what I've been doing a lot of work on um, over the last six months is really uh, working very hard in a bit of a bunker, um, trying to bring that the HitDynamics platform up to a good standard that is really driving um, insights in, in a similar way that HitWise can do um, but from a site analytics standpoint. And what we will be releasing this quarter um, is a blended tool that, that integrates that site analytics and bid management tool into, or rather integrates HitWise data into that site analytics and bid management tool. And we think that'll be the, the first time, um, certainly the, the, a world first on, on that front, and we're very excited about um, about the excitement about uh, about that, that product. Can you give me a really specific example of the kind of data that I would see? Let, you know, let's stay with the travel vertical. If I'm with Expedia, what will this blended data reveal? So if you are the online marketer, you know, maybe yep. the page search manager at Expedia, mm-hmm. what, what we'll be doing is pushing through to you on a daily basis fresh ideas about online marketing opportunities that you should be looking at, uh, whether it be search terms, affiliates, or online advertising opportunities. Uh, we will then um, be, able, be able to give you the ability to evaluate those opportunities so that you can actually get to a point where you can make a decision about whether or not you want to ex- whether you want to execute on those. We'll then provide you with the implementation platform. So you, through the bid management tool, for example, you'll be able to go and, in fact, place your advertising against the search terms that you've decided you want to buy. And then at the back end, once you've done all those things, you then need to understand the effectiveness of those campaigns. And what the uh, integrated reporting suite will do be allow, will be that it will allow you to understand in real terms the uh, the relative uh, both both the uh, the site side view. So how much revenue did you make? How many visitors did you bring? How many pages were generated from your marketing activities? But you will in one in in one view also be able to understand contextually what that meant for your market. So what did that do to your market share? What did that do to your competitors' market share? And and to see all that in the one view uh, will really be uh, where the power lies. Got it. I, and I know that at AdTech New York, um, I think it's Bill Tanser that's going to be talking about exactly how that tool works in a paid search session. Yes, I think that's correct. Yes, I think it's Bill. Good, 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 good. So we've got that covered in more detail at an upcoming show. Indeed. Okay. All right, so one of the things it sounds like you're getting into are bid, you don't, you didn't have bid management capability before. This is a new, you had keyword intelligence, and now you're adding a bid management software on top of it. Is that right? That's right, Susan. I guess from, from our standpoint, we felt that we were, we were looking to generate these fresh ideas for our customers. We were also able to report on the effectiveness of the decisions that they made. But what was really missing for us was the ability to allow them to implement those ideas from our platform at the point at which they wish to implement them. And so that's what we filled with this acquisition. So what, do you know what other bid management software people are already using? Like now they, they're using something and they have to change to the Hitwise product. Is that right? Yes, I mean the the range of ways that people do things is you. I mean you would be surprised at the sheer the sheer range that exists. Mm-hmm. Some people are still dealing directly with the engines. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a there's a portion of people that will outsource to a to a search marketing agency. I mean, what's been interesting about that is that we've seen when somebody starts search marketing, they'll typically uh, do it themselves. It'll it'll get to a point where it becomes too large for them to use, yep. and they'll then outsource it to a search agency. Once it then becomes a really dominant part of their business, we're seeing that a lot of companies are actually taking it back in house. Yeah, and uh, and you know that that's an interesting phenomenon. I mean, we will be looking to work and we are we are in fact working with a number of agencies in the UK market with our bid management tool and in fact it will be something that's available to agencies to use um, but it will also be something that's available to our clients to use and so ultimately you know we, we're, we're agnostic as to as to who is going to end up using it but our, our real intention is to try and allow people to harness the power of the research and be able to implement the ideas and the new the new concepts that we bring into that directly. So I found the session, because this isn't posted yet, I just have it on here because I've been working on it. It's a session in New York called Pay-Per-Click Search Marketing Insights. And I'm actually really proud of this session because um, Patricia Hurst from Smart Search Marketing, she is a search, she, she owns Smart Search Marketing, and it's a search marketing agency. Um, she's moderating, but the panelists are really, really good on this because it's very hard to get the clients, the, the marketers themselves, to come speak about how they manage their search. Um, and we got uh, Dana Middleton, who manages the Worldwide Interactive Communications for Hewlett Packard's Imaging and Printing Group, to come and talk about how she installed a worldwide search strategy at HP. We have Josh Green, who's the Director of Online Marketing and Biz Dev at the Discovery Channel Store. So that's an e-commerce application, and he's very good at search marketing. And Bob Schneider, a Director of Marketing at Sunstone Circuits, which is a, a PC assembly board manufacturing company. And Bob's been coming to AdTech for about five years, and this will be his first time up on a panel instead of in the audience sharing how a, B, a B2B company is managing their search marketing. And then Bill's rounding it out with the whole bid management, PPC um, research that you are doing at HitWise. Well, I think think what Bill may also be bringing out uh, in that session would be uh, something that we're we're very excited about, but it's still still in the vaults at this stage, but uh, is the distinction between paid search and natural search and trying to identify um, the impact that that can have for, uh, for our clients. And so... Uh, I think he may may well be uh, bringing some insights to light in that regard as well. Um, we also have a session that follows it called Search Marketing Bid Management, and um, it's a group of people who have essentially dissected the process of bid management. So, the you know basic settings, position bidding, return bidding, time based bidding, advanced campaign optimization, and Emily Riley from Jupiter Kagan is moderating that with John Osler, who's a founder of an internet marketing firm called um, First Rate, which is a New Zealand based company. <laughs> this is very around the world, and um, we have Dave Williams from 360i. He's a really good speaker. He did our um, impact series, our 10 city road show, the one day ROI for marketers show that AdTech did this. Uh, spring, and he was one of our best speakers there. And then Marty Fleischman, who is the president of a company called MostChoice.com, he does all his own bid management. Right. And so that one should be good. So I'm glad to see that we're we're tracking with you on uh, on what you're doing. You know, I was thinking too about uh, everything's gotten so international. We've got guys coming from Auckland to tell us about bid management, and you know, of course, we're in the throes of programming the Shanghai show right now. You have offices in. 
Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore, the UK, and the US, probably more than that if I, if I am even up on them all. What you've, you've lived, first you started in Melbourne, then you moved to London, now you live in Greenwich Village, I think. Didn't you say you moved down to Greenwich Village? That's right, yeah. Yeah, so now you're in Greenwich Village. Just on a personal level, not, not the internet marketing world, because we've only got a few minutes left, but on a personal level, describe the lifestyle of Melbourne versus London versus Manhattan and, and the Greenwich Village part of that. How, yeah. how has that changed? How's your life changed with those moves? Well, Melbourne is a is just a wonderful place to live. I mean, from a from a lifestyle standpoint, it's absolutely magnificent. And my you know my days were driving to work along the yeah. along the road that hugged the beach and uh, mm-hmm. looking out over over the horizon. It was a very very pleasant place to be. Um, in you know, London has such an enormous community of Australians that uh, you, you almost move over with uh, a ready made group of of um, Friends from home, and mates, right? That's right, bunch of mates, <laughs> quite right. Um, and so London's it was a magnificent experience, and uh, you know, we we certainly worked pretty hard. But it was uh, to have Europe on the doorstep is really such a such a pleasure there. Um, and New York has just been fantastic, and we uh, it's such a vast city, and the pace of life is uh, pretty pretty monumental. Uh, I think. My wife did a magnificent job of finding us uh, an apartment in a relatively quiet place, a relatively quiet part of the city, because uh, the the noise here is just extraordinary um, with the sirens and the car horns. Uh, so we've been very fortunate in that, and we live in a beautiful area with incredible restaurants and bars um, all around us. And uh, you know, so we're we're very much enjoying it. And um, and you know, uh, on a professional level, New York is just a fantastic place to be. So. Um, it's been a, a, a real blessing to be able to uh, move around this way, and uh, we are we're we're trying to maximise our enjoyment and, and the and the benefits that we get from from it as much as possible. And so, where do you think you'll end up, Simon? I think ultimately, uh, you know, we both my wife and I have a lot of family back in Melbourne, and so I think uh, I think we'll be we'll be back in Melbourne at some point. But but I I, I think there's little doubt I'll be a um, a, a gypsy for. For, for most of my career, so I expect <laughs> to be spending a lot of time on a plane for, for the for the distant future. That's great. Well, um, I hope that we'll see you at an upcoming ad tech. And um, I guess the only thing that I'd like to to leave with here is any um, any wish that you have for our listeners. You know, people from all over the industry tune in to hear what you have to say. And sometimes people like Andy asked for talent. You know, he's He's got a lot of open recs he needs to fill, and he's looking for some qualified talent. Um, are there anything, like, you, you get to go out and buy things. You spend the company's money acquiring. So are there any wonderful little companies or technologies you're looking for, or what would your wish be if you could have one? Well, I think two things. Um, we, we are certainly very interested in talking to like-minded people who believe that having a multitude of platforms to, to do their jobs each day doesn't make sense, and for whom technology ought to be able to uh, take research and move it into a decision and then implement that decision and report on it. And so I would be very interested to hear from people that uh, have a similar view uh, of the way that that the industry will will move and would like to participate in that along the way. Uh, And certainly companies that have got a big part um, or, or even a small part 
to play in that process of bringing together uh, research into all of the different opportunities and marketing opportunities that exist and then providing the systems by which those opportunities can be implemented, uh, we're very interested to talk to them as well. Okay. Well, that's your shout-out to the listeners. Um, we've got a wrap now, so we can get on to the next show. Simon, thanks for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. it was always, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm glad you're enjoying Greenwich Village. Thank you, Susan. It was a pleasure to talk to you, too. And uh, sorry to hear that you're stepping down from the chair, but wish you, uh, wish you all the luck uh, in your oh, future you. endeavors. And I look forward to seeing you at um, numerous ed tech conferences in the future. <laughs> you shall. You shall indeed, Simon. Thank you. Thanks, All Susan. right. Well, this is Susan Bratton signing off. And uh, it's been my pleasure to be your host and your chair of ad tech. And uh, you will see me at future shows. I can't ever leave ad tech. I'll be the chair emeritus going forward. And uh, soon you'll get to hear who the new chair is and get to meet them at Ad Tech Connect. Have a great day. Okay.